0: Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church, this third Sunday of Advent. We've been preaching through a series of well-known hymns and the scriptures upon which those hymns were based. This morning, the theme is light. As a matter of fact, the title of the message is Light Dispels Darkness. Light Dispels Darkness. And you may be here this morning saying, you know what, Al? Um. There's a little bit more darkness crowding into my light that I'm comfortable with right now in my life, and that may come in the form of some physical maladies and some physical problems with your life, maybe something at work, maybe familial relationships, just life. And and things are kind of getting a little dim. You know, the, the dimmer switch, yours is going the wrong direction, and it's getting a little hard to see. Well, the message this morning is God's word to you this morning, that Jesus came as the light to dispel the darkness. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Lord, Jesus Christ isn't Lord of your life. The Bible says that you are actually living in darkness. My prayer is that God would turn the light on for you this morning. But if you are in the light, if you do know Jesus Christ, like I said, for some of us, it may be getting a little dark in the room, whatever, circumstances, life. I pray that this message function to cause the light to burn brightly in your life so you could see clearly. That's my prayer. And that's, I believe, the purpose of this text. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This is a well-known text. We sang this text, Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. Light dispels darkness. Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. Follow along with me silently as I read it. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. For as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And now comes the famous Christmas hymn. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, And of the peace and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Lord, help us now to understand this text. Lord, those that are in total darkness right now, the unbeliever in our midst, the non Christian in our midst, Lord, thank you that they are here. But would you now turn the light on, now, in Jesus' name, and enable them to see, yes, their sin, but more importantly, their Savior? Give them faith, Lord, to repent and believe. Lord, for those of us that know you, Father, some of us might be in rooms that are a little darker. than than they should be, perhaps because of our sin or the sin of others, perhaps of just the fallenness of this world. Father, would you now raise the lights, Lord, use that dimmer switch of your word and and cause the lights to shine brightly so that we could see clearly, Lord, and we could walk without stumbling. And there would be joy because you, Lord Jesus, are the light who came into the world. The darkness cannot defeat it. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, right, so here's the question for you from the text. You ready? Who were those in anguish? Look at verse 1 with me. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Who are those who were in anguish here in the text? Who is Isaiah talking about? And why are they in anguish? Well, it's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it because I'd like to help answer it before we get into the meat of the text. The they who were in anguish would be Israel in 733 BC. And this map here will give you a little picture of who I'm talking about. It's the northern tribe. See where it says Samaria? On up. See where it says Galilee? And the reason that they were in uh, darkness or the reason that they were in anguish was because God was judging them. Look at the second half of verse 1. He... In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali is that land north there, right around where you see Galilee. Actually, it's the land where our Lord and Savior grew up. Nazareth would have been the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And so if you remember from last week's sermon, because they were uh, serving idols, because they were rebelling against God, God caused the Assyrians, uh, a, a kingdom that was a little bit to the east on the north part here, to conquer them. Actually in 733 BC, already a large portion of them had been defeated. Imagine an enemy coming to your home right now in Miami Lakes and, and defeating you, maybe killing one of your children and then taking you into exile. Okay, And that's happening, and maybe you guys were left, but they were gone, and then maybe this, the whole section of Miami Gardens was just totally wiped out, and everybody that lived there is gone. Does that describe anguish to you? Particularly if your close friends are gone? All you have is memories of God's promise. Hey, I thought we were God's people. The enemy has come in. God has let the enemy come in. God has allowed it. He's actually ordained it because of our, our sin. So they were in anguish. They were in gloom. Now, I know that that is a, a heavy, heavy picture to have. And that's an extreme picture. You may not be getting judged and sent into exile. You may not be experiencing death in your family or friends because of sin. But aren't we all kind of fighting darkness? I mean, it's, just, it's right at the edge, isn't it? You know, it's a bad traffic accident. Uh, It's it's a diagnosis by the doctor. It's a long-term situation where it's just there. It's always there, right, as a believer. And so this is speaking to us. Those who were in gloom, those who are in anguish. Now listen to what God speaks to them. At the end of verse 1. And the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But, you see that? Put your finger on the conjunction there, but. But, in the latter time... He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Here's the promise. The land that is in darkness, anguish, and deservedly so because of their sin, God will make glorious again. Church, God is going to make us glorious again. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus Christ won it on the cross. And the rest of this passage is Isaiah prophesying to a judged nation that's in exile. He's saying, God is going to make you glorious again. And the way he's going to do it is he's going to send a child, a savior. And the thing that I want to highlight for you here is this. Isaiah speaks of this with such certainty that he uses the past tense. It's, it's, a, it's a literary, a grammatical tool. We love grammar here in this church. Because God uses, God uses words to communicate truth. And grammar is very important. So I want you to love grammar. I want you to pick up with me that suddenly Isaiah turns to the past tense. Look at verse 2. The people who what? Walked in darkness. Wait a second, Isaiah. You're writing to me and my neighbors. One of them is dead and the other one's in exile? Talk about human trafficking. They're gone forever. Oh, the people who walked in darkness. I feel pretty dark right now, Lord. I feel like there's darkness around me. Have seen a great light. Where's the light? Listen, by the way, the light that Isaiah's talking about here won't come for another 700 years. You understand that? He's prophesying about Jesus, but he's doing it with such certainty that he's speaking in the past tense. That's called the prophetic perfect. The prophetic perfect. And the prophetic perfect tense is simply this. When the past tense is used, when speaking of the future, because one understands that the future that is being spoken of is as good as done. See What's this scripture about? It's about God's faithfulness. So you're suffering right now. Maybe you're going through difficult times. God's word comes to you and says, glorious times are coming and it's so certain that we're going to speak as if they'd already come. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Look at the end of verse 2. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That's faith. Faith sees what isn't yet. Faith hears the prophetic word and says, yes, and amen. And 733 years later, Matthew writes of Jesus' coming on the screen. Matthew 4, 12 to 17. Now, when he, Jesus, heard that John the, had been arrested, John the Baptist, he, Jesus, withdrew, withdrew into Galilee. So if you remember the map, he's now up there in Zebulun, Naphtali, Okay, that area. He withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, right on the, in, the Gal- in the Sea of Galilee, by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that, so that, so that, God is true, God is faithful, here it is, so that. What was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And now Matthew quotes Isaiah 9. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. God keeps his promises, church. He keeps his promises. And here's the deal. We dare not judge God through the lens of our current situation or circumstance, no matter how dire or difficult or however much we don't want what's currently happening. See, Jesus came to bring light on those in darkness and joy unspeakable. And and listen to how it's described. Look at verse 3. Speaking in the prophetic perfect, as if it were already happening in 733 B.C., though it wouldn't actually happen to when Jesus was born 700 years later. This is the kind of joy that the light brings to those who were in darkness. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Let me interpret that for you today. You ready? The same joy you have if you go into work tomorrow and the boss says... We did really well this year. Here's a $5,000 Christmas bonus. Would you rejoice in that? Yes, you would. Not one of us here would say, oh, no, I don't really need it that much. Why are you kidding me? That's, that's the kind of joy. That's the kind of joy the light gives and brings, Jesus. And then he describes it further in verse 4. Now, I want you to notice verses 4, 5, and 6 all begin with the word four. So that should key your mind. Aha, all three of those verses begin with four. Al is probably going to make three points out of those three verses, right? I'm just kidding. You should just see four and just say, okay, there, there's, a, there's a little list going on here. You ready? So here we go. Four, the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken is on the day of Midian. What's that all about? When the light comes, when God turns the gloom into light and joy comes like when you get your big Christmas bonus or the investment that you, that you soaked everything into, you know, you sold off all your assets and you invested in this one thing and the day it comes through. Or the business that you sacrificed for and you're trying to get your own business up and running and all of a sudden you find out the new line that I'm representing is going to come through and I'm going to make a lot of money here. So think about that joy. That marks the coming of the light. But also, it marks a victory over the enemy. That's what it means here in verse 4. The yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. We're not Jews, so our mind doesn't automatically go to the Exodus when we read about yokes and burdens and staff and rods of the oppressors. But if you were a Jew in 733 B.C., or even a Jew today, when you read that, what immediately do you think of? The Exodus. When my people were slaves under yokes, building those big pyramids, more bricks, less straw, and Pharaoh was just just tormenting us, and he was oppressing us. And so the reference there is to Moses leading Israel out of Egypt in like 1500 BC into the promised land. But don't you see that the picture, Moses was simply a picture. He was simply an image. The real deal is Jesus, the greater Moses, who leads us out of the bondage, not of Pharaoh, but of Satan, and not of Egypt, but the world, into God's promised land. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. But what about this Midian thing, Al? The last word of verse 4. Well, again, if you're a good Jew, you would remember that Midian is going to remind me of whom? Gideon, in my history, after we got into the promised land, and after we rejoiced that God gave it to us, we promptly begin to disobey God. (laughs) Sound familiar? And uh, God, in his love, begins to discipline us. And he sends in people to discipline his uh, enemies, to discipline his people, and one of them were Midianites. And so they were oppressing God's people. All right, And God raised up a deliverer named Gideon right? And Gideon is famous for the following. God says, I'm going to use you, Gideon, and a great army to deliver my people from the Midianites. And Gideon said, yeah, kind of like Christmas near the beach. You 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 put out the announcements and the whole lawn fills with people. It was full of people and you're ready to go and you're ready to defeat the cursed Midianites. And then God turns on the sprinklers. That's what happened last night. We had the biggest group ever on this big lawn in this big park. And then I'm walking over to get Subway for Paul and his family. And all of a sudden, it starts raining. And I told Dina this morning, God just turned the sprinklers on and everybody got off the lawn. And you're like, well, no, no, don't go. This is a great event. Don't leave. Well, Gideon, God turned the sprinklers on for Gideon. His 32,000-member army was reduced to 300 soldiers. That's some serious stuff right there. And then God says to them, I'm going to reduce you to 300. I'm going to reduce your church down to the place where when I begin to work, you know it's not you, it's me. You know what he told them to do? I mean, there's a lot of imagery here. And I need to hurry up because, you know. But here's, I love this imagery. He gives them clay pots. They go to Pottery Barn, okay? They get these clay pots, right? It's probably your favorite place to go. And inside the clay pots, he has torches, candles, but old, you know, old timey candles. So 300 guys, and he gives them trumpets. So 300 guys march and surround this massive army. I don't know, 30, 40,000, who knows? And they surround them. And here's the instructions. You ready for the instructions? <laughs> these, were, these were airborne rangers because they realized this is, this is their last mission on earth, okay? I'm going to do this, but that's it, you know? <laughs> So here's the deal. Here was the the, uh, command. When I give you the signal, when the colonel gives us the signal, it's at night, the other army's sleeping, right? I want you guys to uh, to, to smash the clay pots, to blow the trumpets, and to raise your arms up with this torch, a light, to let them know where you're at. And I want you to shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And they did it. I'm sure thinking this is it. I mean, uh, they're, they're going to just spear me as I'm like right here, you know. Crash, dun, 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 a sword for the Lord and Gideon. And, and the, the Midianite army was so freaked out that they woke up, they, they bumped into each other, kind of started attacking each other, and then they ran away. And all that's there, there's no heavy weaponry, there's no smart bombs, there's no cruise missiles, there's a bunch of shattered pottery and torches, and stunned men going, I thought I'd be dead by now. (laughs) They're running. And that's how God's going to deliver this region in this area. That's how he's going to set the captives free. When we do the foolish, when we smash that That vessel, that's our lives. We give it to the Lord and we raise up the candle, the torch. That's the gospel. That's Jesus represented by these candles, the center candle being the Christ candle. And we shout a sword for the Lord and and, uh, for Gideon. But, But our Gideon is the greater Gideon, Jesus. And the sword is the word of God. And so that leads us to point one. I got to preaching. I forgot all about the points. You like that, eh right, guys? Can edit that off the tape. Liberation from the oppressor when. When, when the light comes, when the light comes into your life, there's gonna be liberation from the oppressor, and there's gonna be liberation from the very thing you're thinking about right now. We've talked about the life of freedom centers. For them, it is, it is human trafficking. It is the, the lust that can consume people that want that kind of thing, and that whole industry that's a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's, it's setting people free, liberating them from the oppressor by the light and the glory of God, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're called to do that. And that's what Jesus came to do. He's the greater Moses who liberated his people from Pharaoh. He's the greater Gideon who defeats giant armies with foolish people who are shattering pottery and lifting up torches. And that's the gospel. And preaching the foolishness of the gospel is what wins the day. And listen, it doesn't end there. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What in the world does that mean now? Well let me tell you what it means. Point two celebration with the victor. This is an old testament. Victory dance in the end zone, okay, if you follow sports or football. This is this is this is the fireworks going up, celebrating a great event, whether whether it's a win in sports or or or, or victory in war. This, this, this is whatever celebration you're thinking of when you go, yeah, okay, times ten. Because you're taking the very elements of those people that had you under oppression and you're burning them. You're burning them. Back then, that's how you did your celebration dance in the end zone. And Jesus is the one who's won the victory. He's the light of the world, and he's the one that brings us along and says, you can join with me in that. Now remember, who's he speaking to? People that are in exile in 733 BC. It takes faith. You may feel like you're in exile right now. You may feel like it's a little dark here. But it's certain He's going to make you glorious again. Guaranteed. Why can I say that? Because Jesus came to set us free from the bondage of sin now, and he promises us one day to share his glory with us. So even if we live our entire life in exile for the rest of eternity, you will live in glory with Jesus Christ. That, that helps me. It's certain. And in glory, we celebrate with the victor, because the victor is Jesus, not me. I did nothing to win that game. If the Dolphins, by some miracle, win on Monday night, you will have done nothing to win that game. But if you're a Dolphins fan, when they score a touchdown, what will you do? You will jump up and down, won't you? Did you do anything to score that touchdown? No. No. And that's the same deal here. Jesus won the victory. Jesus scored the touchdown. Whatever got the goal in the big game, got the Emmy, got the Grammy. Whatever you want to say. You know, whatever you're in a NASCAR, you know, won the big race. Yeah, there you go. Okay, got the winning goal in the hockey. But whatever it is, you did nothing. You did nothing. But then he says, "Come on up on the podium, share it with me." Share it with me. And 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 the victory is won at the cross. Colossians 2:13 to 15. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that would be us prior to conversion, God made alive together with him, that would be Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses, our sins, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers. This is the kind of Paul, I think, was thinking of this very Prophecy, when he wrote this, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. He's spiking the ball right in their face. We won. Christ won, and we're in Christ. He won the battle. He dispelled the darkness. And that is the basis for our liberation, point number three. And this is the famous now verses 6 and 7, particularly verse 6 that the hymn comes from. The basis for our um, ability to celebrate with the victor, the the, the basis for our ability to be liberated from the oppressor is this, that the ruler has come, the incarnation of the ruler. Oh, friends, I pray that you would be liberated from the oppressor. I pray that you would celebrate with the victor, but you must first acknowledge and rejoice in, and remember and and enjoy the incarnation of the ruler. Look at verses 6 and 7. 4 here's the third 4 for to us a child is born who is that child Christ to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder god is born a man jesus is the god man fully god fully man the incarnation the ruler has come it is jesus the one who defeats the enemy and his coming secures all the promises of god This is the light that dispels the darkness. The government is on his shoulders. If you remember the passage in Matthew, the way Matthew quoted it and what he said afterward is, right after quoting that passage, he said, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God has come. What he's saying is, bow your knee, repent, for the king is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And that's what I pray you would do this morning. Whether it's in your life, in an area where there's some darkness and you're a believer... But God would just call you to humble yourselves and and submit to God and stop resisting Him. And if you're not a believer, oh, friend, I pray that He show you your sin and then show you your Savior and that you would repent and you would believe in Him. That's what this is talking about. And then Isaiah gives us a fourfold description of this ruler, this incarnate ruler, God in the flesh. And here's the fourfold description. It's what we sang this morning. First of all, in verse 6, B, he's the wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Jesus is wise. He is the one who has the wisdom suitable to sustain his everlasting kingdom. I was driving this morning, and there's just a lot of different decisions that are in front of me and situations in front of me, and I was just driving saying, Oh, wonderful counselor, give me your counsel. Here's his counsel. Wise counsel from believers that are speaking from the Bible. He's the wonderful counselor. Only he can properly govern the kingdom of God. Second, he's the mighty God. We already alluded to this. This is God in the flesh. Jesus is God incarnate. He's come to suffer with his people. He's come to be tempted as we were in every way, yet without sin, that he might deliver us. I love the verse that we sang in Hark! The Herald Angel Sings. When it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's God with us. Next, He's everlasting Father. This ruler will will care for and discipline us, even as an earthly father cares for and disciplines his children. He will instruct us. He will guard us for his glory and our good. He will take us when we're walking this way and there's a cliff right here. He will say, no, stop. We may not see the cliff. We may even get mad at him. Like the kids, you know, when when they're just throwing a tantrum. But then suddenly one day we're going to realize, oh, there was a cliff there. And he turns us. And he cares for us. He shepherds us. But here he's a father. He's a father. I love this verse And Hark the Herald Angel Sing. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Quoting from Ligonier Ministries commentary on this hymn, the one who was born on Christmas causes us to be born again as Christians. Amen. Thank God for his mercies that he came. That we might be born again. And finally, the Prince of Peace. Listen, Jesus brings peace. He alone fulfilled the Father's will. He alone took on the suffering for our sins. He took the very things that cause there to be conflict between us and God, the sin in our lives, and the, the things that deserve God's wrath. He took them on the cross. He's the Prince of Peace. One cannot have peace unless one has peace with God firstly then all the other forms of peace will follow from that. That's the shalom of God. The final verse here from Hark the Herald Angel Sings. Hark the Herald Angel Sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? Because God and sinners are reconciled. Here's the appeal, church. The appeal is this. Yep, there you go. The appeal is this. My phone talks to me every once in a while when I'm preaching. The appeal is this. That we would see the victory, that it would be the prophetic perfect for us, that no matter where you're at right now, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter if the darkness is getting a little bit um, intense for you, that you would say, no, it is certain, it is true, and I'm going to walk in the joy of it. I'm going to walk in the hope of it. I'm going to walk in the light of it. How do we do that? Well, we did it last night. No matter what you were feeling like. uh, Paul had an accident the night before he came down to Miami. Uh, to be to, to minister to a thousand children, but he pushed through it. Why? Because of the prophetic perfect, he believed the truth of the glories to come, even though he 's experiencing a decidedly non glorious event the evening before, and so we do that N- not because we are strong or tough, but because God is faithful and true. It looks like confident expectation that we will have that glory one day, even though right now we may be suffering. It looks like sharing the gospel with family and friends as you get together for Noche Buena or whatever Christmas celebration that you do. It means proclaiming the King. It means saying that He has blessed us. He has liberated us from the oppressor. He has called us to celebrate with Him who is the victor because He is God incarnate. Let us pray. Worship team, would you please join me? Father, I thank you for your goodness this morning. I I pray that you would give us a vision of Christ, our liberator, Christ, the victor, Christ, incarnate word of God, God in the flesh. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that is really wrestling, I'm praying for believers now who's really wrestling with the darkness in their life. Lord, I pray that you would draw their attention to your past mercies and then to your future glories. Lord, give them the grace to believe your present promises, that the prophetic presence would be functioning in them right now. They would speak it as if it had already happened, though they're waiting for many of these things to happen. Those that are oppressed by sins, particular sins this morning, Oh, show them their Savior. Let their Savior define them, not their sin. And Lord, for the unbeliever in our midst, would you turn on the lights right now, even as we sing, Lord, of the one who has come. Oh, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.